the Mongols in the Middle Ages had a a tactic they would use in battle. It was one that as they made their way across the Eurasian steppes and toward Europe, they were able to employ again and again and again against new people who had never run across these intimidating horse archers uh, before and didn't talk to each other. So they weren't able to share the information of this tactic that proved so lethal and devastating in battle after battle in the 1300s. But what the Mongols would do is when they would face off in, in the field, they would let the opponent come at them and come hard with, with the screaming and the weapons flailing and the Mongols would turn and they would run. They would make as if they had just been terrified by the opponent. That, and they would just break ranks and flee, which of course would give the opponent the feeling that the day was already won, that the battle was in hand, that they were already in a rout. And then at a predetermined point on the field, um, the Mongols would turn. And sometimes the opponents would find themselves suddenly engulfed by smoke uh, because the Mongols will have planted vats of oil on the field that could then be lit at a predetermined time to create this chaotic scene where you couldn't see what was going on. You lost your orientation and suddenly out of the smoke, here come the Mongols. And what you thought was going to be a win very suddenly turns into a total massacre. And that's what's happened in this round of Wild 32. That's, that's, uh, that's what happened here. Um, welcome to the Unrationed Podcast. My name is Tony. I'm here with my good friends, Evan and Josh. <laughs> uh, Evan, what do you think? How'd I do? That was a brilliant, well put, and there's no way that I knew that you were stealing that intro style from George Carlin, Dan Carlin. Uh, I did not. Yeah, George Carlin is more the guy about who does the thing about the seven words you can't say on TV. So I don't think we could take credit, Team Mustache. I mean, with that whole story is incredible, and I actually didn't know this about the Mongols and the a war strategy i'm sure this shows up somewhere in the art of war uh this type of a a strategic approach to winning a battle or winning a war they're really i can't take credit or i don't think our team was as strategic it just kind of played out this way that week one was a retreat into what turned into be an oil field 
oil field, a, a field lit on fire with smoke. And then and where I'll push back is I I'm calling bullshit on that. And here's why. <laughs> Is uh, Trent, uh, <laughs> good man Trent, who was a member of the second round of Wild 32 and actually was, uh, if I remember correctly, out of the six of us, he was the highest performer in terms of he behaved himself better than anyone else in that round. That was right, right? Yes. Yeah. In this round, in this while 32, our accountability group, that's 32 days, we're tracking like basically seven different things. And if you don't do any of those things on a given day, you get what we call a spanking. And the point is that there were two teams, each having five members. And the goal is that at the end of 32 days, you have fewer spankings than the other team. Now, in this round, Evan, your team, Team Mustache, um, you chose Trent to be on your team, a good choice. I chose Josh to be on my team fine choice um <laughs> which I mean, well, in terms of total spankings your your choice with josh turned out to be uh more productive than my choice with trent just that is that is true but but i think what you people did <laughs> is you decided to have trent come out of the gate with 15 spankings or whatever in the first 10 days 16 in, in the way first that, eight yeah that gave us such a, I mean, and I cannot believe that I got drawn in by this, given <laughs> that I was able to just recite that story from memory. And I have, I've heard the story of the tortoise and the hare before um, to think, oh, well, we got this. We got this eight days into the 32 in a way that we did take our foot off the gas. We did get complaint. I know I certainly did. And I'm not the only one where, and that wasn't everybody. Tyson killed it all the way through on my team. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark, Marcus is, I mean, he's the youngster of the group. He's expected to be a little wilder than, than the rest of us. But, um, um, and Billy actually, he conducted himself well. He was, yeah. he was pretty strong this time around, but, um, but we did, we, we thought, we already had it in the bag in a way that then it was only, what was it, Evan, five days ago? It was it was about day 25 where you and I are texting as we're updating the spreadsheet. And I say, like, hey, update the spreadsheet because we're now losing. And then you updated the spreadsheet and we were still losing by like 10 in a way. I was like, oh, we're going to lose. <laughs> So a couple a couple things here that I think played out well for us. One was Trent being somebody who, yeah, is able to go through a wild thirty-two and and behave himself, as you put. The other is our. I think the way we updated the spreadsheet gave us an advantage. Just uh, the fact that people were updating the spreadsheet themselves on a on a fairly consistent basis and able like my team was logging in and looking at the dashboard regularly to see what that gap was. And there was a lot of motivation in seeing it. So this my third point is that we were an underdog. We viewed ourselves as underdogs the entire 32 days. Uh, and even in victory are, are thinking of ourselves as the underdog 
came from behind and won this thing. Not as though it's like we were the, we don't see ourselves as the better team yet. And maybe we do, maybe, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but there, there was this underdog aspect that really was fun in our chats and it gave a, an energy motivation to this. Uh, so yeah, those I, I'm attributing the underdog mentality really played in our favor uh, throughout. Josh, what are your thoughts on all of this? You, you've, uh, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> one, Tony, your story was brilliant and resonates quite a bit. This is very, very unfortunate. Um, from a competition standpoint, it is fascinating how quickly the tides turn. Like after day 12, <laughs> day 14, day 15, like, we're like, oh, we're still in a pretty good spot. We can take this. But it was just getting a little bit closer and the intensity like kind of picked up a little bit. But you started off on the wrong foot. So you think you have this like still like comfort that you never get back into like a war mentality, a battle mentality, like back to Tony's story. So impressive psychological warfare on your end. The mustaches are creative and cunning. <laughs> Seriously. Beards are just barbaric, and we wanted to celebrate when we thought we had the, the victory in hand. I'm um, glad we have the last podcast recorded because I think Tony was talking about his dynasty and like rules for breaking up a dynasty team. Yeah, on the podcast, <laughs> and that's the first thing that came. I mean, so I've had the support of my <laughs> wife throughout this thing too because she really did not want me to shave my mustache, which was on the line. So my mustache was on the line. Tony's beard was on the line is on the line we still need to update our last days to really confirm this thing it, it will be hilarious if next week we record and like my team just yeah. crapped out the last 48 hours and you come from behind and win and we're recording a podcast as if we're winning i don't think that's the case but i really had grace's support this round in a way that wasn't <laughs> the case in other rounds uh and anyways i'm glad we have you on the podcast last week talking about your dynasty <laughs> this what well there is a question of like so we're talking about running it back for the next round where we go to four teams and i gotta wonder whether or not i i should even be considered as a captain given i mean if there's like, i'm not winning the raw this time but um i did not carry my team you know like i I am the Delta, right? Like had I performed as well as a few other people did, we still win. But like I personally took my foot off the gas in a way that is totally inexcusable as the captain of a team. So I'm, I'm wondering whether I need to be just banished from the entire unrationed uh, uh, group and sent into exile, never to be allowed to partake again. I don't this think that's be an insight into your psyche of like self-destructive behavior, right? Like you wanted the red ass award and therefore subconsciously you're like, I need to have another gummy bear or cookie. Like what is there? Is there something at play here? There is. Well, there definitely. Yeah, no, there actually is. And this may be something better suited for therapy, but since I don't have a therapist, <laughs> I'm going to use you guys, but there is something for me where I, uh, I struggle with discipline, right? And that's part of why things like this are really valuable for me um, because I, I do struggle so much with it. But there's also something where 
I, I am attached to my imperfection in a way that I think I do use it as a crutch that I, you know, I, I, I think about people who have the discipline to become the best version of themselves. Uh, and frankly, I particularly think about it in terms of physical stuff, you know, like becoming the best athlete you can be, the healthiest version of yourself, the strongest version. Um, and I've never done that really, you know, and I've, I've gotten close maybe, you know, like 10 years ago, I think I was like, I was pretty dialed in, but, um, but I've never, I've always been, had this sort of work hard, play hard mentality that frankly, I still sort of have, but, um, but in a way that, yeah, that it, I I recognize that it doesn't necessarily serve, but for some reason I I find it I don't know if comforting is the word, um, but I find it really tempting to not resist temptation in a way that I I frame it as not wanting to take myself too seriously. But then there's a flip side to that of, are you taking yourself seriously enough? Mm. And particularly when you take on like leadership positions, right? The stakes get higher. So like, this is an interesting example where, uh, Evan, do you have the, I mean, wait, we got the dash. Yeah. I was, where, where am I at? 18. Um, I'm at 18 spankings. Marcus is at 20. But then the next person on my team is at 12. It's Josh and Billy's at 11 and Tyson's at six. Um, So out of the 10 guys involved here, I am number three in, in terms of spanking with, with Evan, you right there behind me at 17. Um, But like, okay. So if I, basically, if, you know, we have three, the best three are at six spankings. If I were at six spankings, then we basically, I believe we win. If I had performed as well as the people who performed the best in this, then that's the difference. And arguably I should have given that, you know, I, I took, I'm the captain of a team. I'm one of the people who started this project and my beard was on the line. I have a question for you. You're, I'll allow it. You're doing uh, some comparison here, which I don't think is always a bad thing, particularly when it comes to evaluating performances. And uh, so I'm, this is in no way a critique of that. It's a, uh, the question is, if this is your fourth Wild 32, comparing this performance to the past three, is it better, worse, or the same this was my best wild 32 so yeah it's an interesting thing like i hear you critiquing yourself so much comparing yourself to the other people in this wild 32 but i that was my guess is that this was your best wild 32 so there's yeah like there's this mixture of like how do you hold that at the same time and say you know you can say if i would have had six my team would have won or or whatever but also you put your best 
effort for this round than you did the previous three? How do you hold yeah. both of those things? Great question. Yeah, no, and I, well, and progress over perfection is, is my deal, right? I mean, that's, I am that way, right? That's, that's what my LinkedIn post was about yesterday, about not needing to be perfect. Uh, that was what something that really got hammered into my head when, when I was spending a lot of time in AA, uh, that it's just, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to not drink the rest of your life, make the next best, best decision. Don't drink today. Um, and then it's by doing those things that, I mean, thank God my not drinking over the last 12 years wasn't a matter of willpower. It was like by taking those daily steps somewhere along the way, a switch flipped and I haven't wanted a drink in 12 years. So like, it's not actually an achievement for me. It was like, you know, like I, I don't really want to eat tomatoes like an apple. Right. So like, it, it's, it's sort of the same thing where it's like, it's not really an achievement that I haven't eaten a tomato, like an apple, because I don't want to eat a tomato, like an apple. I also don't want to have a drink. I do want to eat a lot of gummy bears. You know, like that's, I still want to eat a lot of gummy bears. I still <laughs> want to be lazy, you know, like those sorts of things. So say like, while this was my best version, it was like, yeah, but how much, how much effort did I, did I not leave on the field over yeah. the course? Yeah. Of it, right. Like I'm coming out of this being like, I played a pretty good game. Did I play this game as hard as I could have? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, and so it's like thinking, and that's part of why I like how, what we've added here with while this competitive aspect of, cause I think it is going to tap into something where, like the next round, I'm excited for the next round. So I think it is good. Like I'm, I am coming back with a vengeance. <laughs> I really am in a Which way is, that is going to make me better. Like it will push me to be better next time than I was in this one. And this one was better than the first three for me. Right. Which is, that's yeah. the point, right. Becoming a better version of ourselves. Yeah. Go ahead, Ev. I'm glad we have a documentation of these numbers because my guess is, well, I also know this was my best performance in Wild 32 out of the four. I do wish I had a spreadsheet of the past three to really <laughs> get a, like use data yeah. to, to tell me that. And I'm excited about the future ones because I imagine we're not losing the dashboard from here on out. And so mm -hmm. at Wild 32 number 10, I can evaluate my performance over time using data, which I think is an important thing as we aim to become better versions of ourselves. It's a really difficult thing to measure using opinion or, or emotion. Yeah. Uh, so these data points are, are really cool. And I think I'm, I, yeah, anyways, I was just going to repeat something else I said. So what were you going to say, Josh? Well, I was, I was reflecting on the structure that we were talking about. So the whole group was talking about when the next Wild 32 is going to be in maybe like two or three more weeks from now. And I think that part of the design is really fascinating as well, like as I think about it, where you think about a, a sports season and you have this game where you either performed well or you underperformed or you have elements that you can improve. You look at game tape, you look at all this stuff and you make decisions and you're training that week leading up to the next game. The other four people on your team probably were like, you know, I know for me personally, I have never like I have not drank in over a month 
any touch of booze. And I've, I don't think I've ever done that since I've been able to drink, you know, since I've turned 21. So I can say that, that I had a clean slate for booze this entire wild 32, which was not the case last time. And that was the one that I cared about. And that was significant progress. And that's because I thought that that was my contribution to the team and your inspiration and all that. So, you know, leadership is a, a fascinating topic um, in and of itself. So I feel like there's dovetails that I want to go down to, but we can just talk about the competition of wild 32 right now. <laughs> Now, I appreciate that. And it takes me to when, uh, so Christy and Seville and I were leading groups on El Camino de Santiago. And there's that 500 mile uh, pilgrimage route across Northern Spain, where I really want to do a, an unrationed or a wilds event at some time. But we did two versions. And on one of them, we covered 120 miles over 10 days. And I was basically like the leader of that expedition and my role in that one, actually, I wasn't at the front of our, our train of 16 people. Like I was last, right. That like my inclination when I do those sorts of things is to like, just go. And I tend to be faster than just about everybody else. Right. Like if I wanted to, I would be like where we're ending for the day you know, a half hour before anyone else, just like naturally the way I would have moved. Um, but like I made it that like my thing is to be here with the person who was least prepared to take this on and to, like, to move at their pace with the idea that we're, we're all doing this together, right? And the goal is to get where we're going together um, and like to not have me out there in a way that makes somebody else feel bad about how they're doing so like i think there's an aspect of that as well that i mean i think that i see as a positive leadership quality right like that that understanding sure. of like we're all going to get there together or we're not going to make it we're not going to get it done um so is this you competing for the raw every well 32 <laughs> yeah well that's what i'm saying like there is the I like, don't think so, actually. No, I I think yeah. that's just me. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how these things weave together, right? Because it's very easy to say, like, that's sort of what I'm doing. And like, just that not taking yourself too seriously. And like, it's not a competition, right? Like, that's not, a, it's really, frankly, what we're doing here, even having laid the competition across it, this also still is not a competition, right? Um, but yeah, that's... I, I do use it as a crutch, definitely, of like, of like actually then not being as, uh, as good as I could or, tr or like holding myself to as high of a standard. Hmm. The captain dynamic is a fun one to throw in the mix too. I believe this is the first time we've had a captain. Mm -hmm. with you know i guess which makes sense because we have teams but i think we could have added a captain even with one team or with mm -hmm. one group there still could have been a, sure. a captain somebody assigned that leadership role um and i i almost want to i know you had put in some rules in place for your team winning for the next few rounds <laughs> but i almost want to like give up that captain role to somebody else for next round so that they can experience it from that seat because it does change the way 
yeah. the thing is viewed. Uh, and I think everybody's going to bring something a little different to that, that role. Um, but it was, yeah, it, it did change things. Yeah. Um, you talking, Evan makes me think of a quote, which makes me think of, uh, kind of the four energies that we talk about, um, when, it, when we're thinking about healthy, healthy masculinity, but this quote that I think about, I'm trying to like, remember the book, but it says the patient acquisition of virtue. And that's just like the, the part that I remember. Hmm. And what I'm stressing here is that we have to practice a virtue to gain more virtue, right? So in the act of pursuing something, we actually have to put it into practice to obtain it. We have to exercise the very thing in which we want. And so you talking about that is really fascinating that when we think about the different energies, right? King, warrior, magician, lover, it's important for us to practice these different energies to be put into these situations in which we need to let that healthy, positive energy come out and be put into the stressful situations in which we can see the shadow side of it as well. So we can correct it so we can heal it so we can nurture it. Um, so I, I love that concept of, you know, kind of passing on the baton and saying like, I'll follow you, but this is your, you know, this is your, your deal to, uh, to help organize us, um, to help us flourish all that good stuff. And again, at the end of the day, it all relies on a personal decision, but at the, um, at the same time, Tony helped me have 32 days of booze free, which is really, really cool. Patient acquisition of virtue. So good. I think there's an episode on leadership in here that I can't believe we've gone through what 22 episodes without that being one of our. Yeah. Uh, we've been meandering. Um, yeah. My dad found the podcast via my sister. And he sent me a text basically being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, dad. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. What did you say? What, so, what was your response? Well, it, it, well, he was saying that to my sister. But um, you say, <laughs> he said to me, you found two people as goofy as you are. Yeah. <laughs> did I he did. start with the first episode? I'm not sure, actually. Okay. I'll ask him next time I talk to him. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the one I get the most feedback on. Uh, it's the first one. We came out strong, came yeah. strong out the gate. <laughs> I don't even remember what we talked about the first one. I believe in the second episode, you said, oh, God, are we on the verge of becoming a pooping podcast? Uh, yes, 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 yes. That's right. We, we course corrected pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so one one other question. So our, uh, we had facial hair on the line. Um, I am, I mean, I have to do, I have to record it and then put it out publicly, right? I mean, isn't, that seems like it's, it just I feel like you would done, lose right? a significant amount of credibility amongst your wilds if it was not publicly recorded. If it was not a public, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for, I don't know, 28 out of the last 32 days, I've been thinking I'm going to be shaving my mustache. And I also had planned on recording it because it seems like a, 
an opportunity. <laughs> I legitimately convinced myself that I needed to record it just to recruit more people for Wild Thursday. It's like this yeah. is this is a marketing move uh, to like make a sacrifice of my mustache uh, and also put yeah. Not I do mean, that. This is where I wish we we all lived a little bit closer so that Evan could shave <laughs> your beard. That would be so good. Yeah, Just the first stroke. Idea. Yeah. No. That would be good. I would put some money in for Evan to fly to Canada. I to was get... gonna say, should we <laughs> Mr. Beast would do it? <laughs> Mr. Beast would do it. Yeah. So is that is that how we want to start thinking? WWMBD. Right, maybe once we have a little more cash to play with, we could we could ask what Mr. Beast would do. But yeah, <laughs> maybe that's how we get there. So, do you want to record it as the next podcast episode? Shaving my beard. Yeah, I was just gonna do it like I think like a time lapse in uh, as I'm doing it, and then I'll make some posts out of it and you, you haven't shaved you haven't been clean shaven since 2010 if i remember right from the last episode that's right there was seville had reminded me that i did shave into a mustache at the beginning of covid just for fun at a time when we weren't leaving the house but it was like i gave myself a fu manchu and then i just you know like three days later yeah. i had enough that i or maybe it was more like four or five days, but like then clean up the mustache, go shorter on the mustache, and it all pretty much is back to blended. Yeah. I so, yeah, this I kept this thinking a- to myself, you had more on the line shaving your beard. And then each time I would remind myself that your beard grows back fairly quickly and my mustache does not. So it would it's kind of an equal uh thing there okay so you're gonna do a time lapse of it will you're gonna record that and have you told seville yet or are you just gonna like come out of the bathroom no yeah she knows she's how did that how did that go she doesn't care okay i mean we'll we'll see i mean maybe you know what would be really problematic is if i (laughs) shave and then she's like i like you better like this that way because i I don't like myself better like that. I like myself better like this. That's why I've been like this for 12 years. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just I've never really liked shaving and and I like I just I like the way my head looks better like this. So and I mean if I if I were to stay clean shaven, I gotta redo. I mean, I basically have to start my whole personal branding journey from scratch, given that I've built it all on the beard have to like move back to the city and <laughs> get a job where I wear a suit, you know? Yeah. Good. Evan, can I go back to something that you said earlier on? Yeah. So Grace would be upset if you shave the mustache. <laughs> uh, she likes the mustache. So upset I use seriously, but also lightly, like she wouldn't actually be, I wouldn't be sleeping on the couch or anything. Yeah. But I, began growing my mustache in 2019 when we lived in an RV and part of it was just I didn't shave as much when we lived in the RV and then I shaved my chin one time and thought it was funny and Grace said she liked it 
And that's great. Particularly because she feels like I'm serious a lot with people I don't know. And she tells me your mustache shows people that you don't take yourself too seriously. (laughs) That's great. And so she's like, I get to see that side of you a lot and nobody else really gets to see that side of you. So she likes that. Uh, I let people know that I'm not such a serious person because I have hair crawling on my upper lip. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground in, in this episode. Yes. Was there, was there more we wanted to get into? No, I, well, I don't think so. This is one of the more fun and less informationally uh, dense episodes that we've uh, covered so i had a blast with it this is like the conclusion of wild for wild 32 round four well i say we don't have more to talk about i learned a lot this round i think we made a huge advancement like a, a big leap like we took a few steps for the first three made a big leap this round in a way that's really cool and we are going to start another one at some point in time. If you're listening to this, particularly if you're listening at this point in time still, you're a prime candidate for Wild 32. And that you should likely go ahead and join us for the next round. So that's how I'll close this out. Do you guys have anything to close out with? A wolf howl. There it is. Yeah, I was waiting for Josh to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the Unrationed Podcast. Uh, Check us out, wildsandthewoods.com or Tony Albrecht on LinkedIn. Talk to you later.